sin against God. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me against thee. Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. And so stanza one is conviction. Stanza two is confession. But then this song gets happier. Stanza three is conservation. Now, what is conservation? I'm not an environmentalist, okay? Um, I'm a conservationist. Nobody in their right mind wants polluted waters, polluted air, strip mine the whole nation. Nobody really wants that. And by the way, we keep going this electric route, we're going to have to strip mine this whole nation. And then tell me, how do you charge all these batteries? With coal. But anyway. All right. I'm not an environmentalist. Oh, Pastor, I know you want to build the Family Life Center, but we have found a rare newt that has nested over there on your property. Can't build a thing there. My question is simple. Can you move the newt? No, we cannot move the newt. The next day, terrible thing happened. I'm so sorry to report to you. A stray M80 found its way into that newt's burrow. The newt is no more. And then they say, you're going to jail, you know. I think we can get silly with that kind of thing. I really do. But I'm for conservation. And what is conservation? Conservation is you are doing your best to protect your environment at a reasonable level within the boundaries of progress. Okay. David makes an interesting... Well, let's read it. Verse 6. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art mine hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. Now he begins making an interesting statement regarding the finding of God. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Just two simple principles. Repentant hearts find God. But God is hidden from impenitent hearts. You want to find him? Repent. You want him to stay away? Refuse to. Is that scriptural, Andy? Sure is. Isaiah 59 verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, listen to this, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now, we keep reading, God here does not promise to keep us from difficult things. What he promises in verse 6 and 7 is to preserve, or we could say conserve us, through the difficult 
things. He's not saying that we won't face floods. He's saying the floods won't come nigh unto us. He's not saying that, um, that we're going to be exempt from things. He says, he'll preserve me from trouble and compass me about with the songs of deliverance. He will be with me and surround me within the trials, within the difficulties. And I'm telling you that when you sing the song of restoration, you must sing that God has preserved me. He has conserved me. He has protected me. Yes, I've still seen difficult things. I've still been through difficult times, but God in his mercy and his grace has been with me every step of the way and has gotten me through see more often than not God doesn't get us away from things over things or under things he delivers us through things stanza one is conviction this Song of a restored heart. Stanza two is confession. Stanza stanza three is conservation. Stanza four, God issues a challenge. Verse eight. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. For two challenges. Number one, in verse number eight, be set in your gaze. Be set in your gaze. Look at what he says. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine, what? I. The picture is exactly what you think it is. How many of you have, have or had a mama that could send you a whole lot of information with a look? The preacher was Ken Cloud. The church was Grace Baptist Church in Petersburg, Virginia. I was sitting by myself. I've told you this story before. I was sitting by myself behind a friend of mine and his girlfriend. Interestingly enough, her name was Bethany. So we already know there's trouble on the horizon. It is evident that at some point they were sitting too close or something was going on. Now, Brother Cloud, who's still alive, still pastoring, by the way. I don't know what he's doing these days. I do know he's still in the ministry. Brother Cloud was old school. And Brother Cloud, was he had no problem at all with calling people down in the service. And so I'm sitting behind my friend's. And he looked at them, and he said, something's going on right here. If it doesn't stop, I'm going to stop it. It wasn't me. I was by myself. And yet I felt the gaze across the way. 
my mother shot a look at me and conveyed all kinds of information. She was guiding me with her eye. I knew exactly what I needed to do. Get up, slide over. And from henceforth, never sit behind them again. That was the information. Now, I was a teenager. Heaven forbid I actually sat with my parents. Oh, no. Tragedy of tragedies. But she conveyed a lot of information. Now, here's the thing. I joke about being able to feel it. But the fact is, that information isn't conveyed and guess I, unless I do what? I look at her, don't I? The only way God's going to guide you with his eye is if you're looking at him. If you keep your eyes on him, he'll guide you with his eye. Well, Andy, that, that's a nice little illustration, but is it biblical? Where if we're seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, as Hebrews 12. Let's lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. When did Peter get in trouble walking on the water? When he took his eyes off of Jesus. So the first challenge is to be set in your gaze. Second challenge is be submissive to his guidance. Verse number nine. Be not as the horses, the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Don't make God force you. Just be compliant. Be submissive to his guidance. But even on those times in our lives that he does have to use a bit and bridle, remember, a bit and bridle is just meant to keep that animal close to the master. So if he has to use a bit and bridle, thank him for it. Because all he's trying to do is keep you close. So this wonderful song of a restored heart, it begins with conviction, and stanza two is confession, stanza three is conservation, stanza four is a challenge, and then it finishes off like all great songs do that comes to a peak, it comes to a crescendo with celebration. Verse 10, many sorrows shall be to the wicked. Aren't you glad it doesn't stop there? That's sad, but... He that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Everywhere you look, mercy, mercy, mercy. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. David exalts in the state of gladness that he enjoys by his restored heart. There is nothing, nothing, nothing like being right with God. This is going to be hard for you to believe. 
periodically my wife and I disagree. Sometimes we disagree with great fervor. Now, I know that you look at me and you look at her and you think, why, you sorry punk, how dare you ever, ever get worked up at your wife? You're just going to have to take my word for it. She can hold her own. (laughs) No, obviously, there's lines we don't cross and shouldn't. But there's, there's a certain, when I counsel, when I do premarital counseling, I, I don't encourage them to never argue. I encourage them to argue the right way. There's a right and a wrong way to argue. And I've told you before that sometimes I know I'm wrong, and yet I keep arguing because I'm going to win, whether I'm right or not. I'm going to win this thing. And uh, I can come to the end of it and admit my faults, ask my wife to forgive me, and she can say she forgives me. And I do believe her. I do believe her. But there's still that... When do I know that I'm fully restored? And I don't mean to gross you out or anything, but I know in that embrace. There's something communicated in that embrace that goes beyond words and cannot be faked. And then I think of my Lord. When I ask him to forgive me, I know he does because his word says he does. But I'm still, uh, that's my fault. But then, spiritually speaking, there's an embrace in which the Holy Ghost of God just takes me in his arms. And all is well. And I, in that moment, am right with God. And there's just nothing like it. So thank God for repentance. Don't stop there. Enjoy the restoration. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Keep the way clear. There's nothing between.
thank God, that we can sing the song of a restored heart.